She was an old woman who loved sex, and she had spent forty years seeking a way to make it better. Though her red hair had gone gray and her heart was failing, she had not given up. Her desire, she said, was as strong and simple as ever. She wanted a scientific method of birth control, something magical that would permit a woman to have sex as often as she liked without becoming pregnant. It struck her as a reasonable wish. Yet, through the years, one scientist after another had told her, no, it couldn't be done. Now her time was running out, which was why she had come to an apartment high above Park Avenue to meet a man who was possibly her last hope. The woman was Margaret Sanger, one of the legendary crusaders of the 20th century. The man was Gregory Goodwin Pincus, a scientist with a genius IQ and a dubious reputation. Pincus was 47 years old, five feet ten and a half inches tall with a bristly mustache and graying hair that shot from his head in every direction. He looked like a cross between Albert Einstein and Groucho Marx. He would speed into a room, working a viceroy between his yellowed fingers, and people would huddle close to hear what he had to say. He wasn't famous. He owned no scientific prizes. No world-changing inventions were filed under his name. In fact, for a long stretch of his career, he had been an outcast from the scientific establishment, rejected as a radical by Harvard, humiliated in the press, and left with no choice but to conduct his varied and sometimes controversial experiments in a converted garage. Yet he radiated confidence as if he knew the world would one day recognize his brilliance. Pincus was a biologist and perhaps the world's leading expert in mammalian reproduction. In the 1930s, at the start of his professional career, he'd attempted to breed rabbits in petri dishes, using much the same technology that decades later would lead to in vitro fertilization for humans. Then he was young and handsome and possessed of a limitless imagination. He posed for newspaper photographs and boasted to reporters that a new age of human reproduction was on the horizon, one in which men and women would soon employ modern methods to control the process of making babies. Science would lead the way. But Americans were not ready to hear such things. The press compared him to Victor Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's fictional scientist, who tried to conjure life but accidentally created a monster. Harvard denied Pincus tenure and no other university would hire him. He was deemed too dangerous. At that point, a more humble man might have chosen a new line of work— a weaker man might have succumbed to anger or despair, but not Goody, as his friends and family called him, as much for his friendly nature as his middle name. For while Pincus was affectionate and disarming in social settings, when it came to his career he was, as one colleague put it, a street-fighting Jew. Getting knocked down was merely the thing that happened before Pincus got up to fight again. When Harvard dumped him and no other job offers arrived, he moved to Worcester, Massachusetts, a factory town, where a former colleague from Harvard had offered him a low-paying, 
low-ranking position as a researcher for Clark University. He worked in a basement lab where dust from a nearby coal bin contaminated his experiments. When he asked the university to provide him a proper laboratory, the request was denied.